Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, hey there, good looking. Glad you're with us, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I am your host once again, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined by Matthew, preseason DFS junkie Betts. I thought you were talking to me at first when you said no, <laughs> you said, "Hey, no. they're good looking." Um, you, you somebody perked up there for a little bit. So, hey, thanks, man. Um, which is shocking that you would say that because I currently have bags under my eyes. It was a horrible night last night for the twins and me. So, I am currently sitting here drinking a coffee at about three in the afternoon, uh, as well as a liquid IV. Feeling like I'm back in college these days. <laughs> it's, it's been rough, man. So, yes, thank God we have football on the TV tonight on Thursday when we're recording this and. Um, Let's just say I'm, I'm max entering a couple contests. No, I'm, I'm really glad for you. Uh, you know, you're on the up and up. But I was talking to our listeners. Wherever they're mm. at, um, it's August. And August means it is time to turn the page to play DFS, to look at it from a community perspective in our Discord channel with, you know, what we get to do on Twitter, what we get to put out there, what we get to put out in the DFS pass. I mean, this is prime season for people to get hyped. And so, yes, a lot of people on Thursday night are going to be spending their money on preseason things they know nothing of where it's a game total of what 30 points for Las Vegas Thir- and 30 and a half yes oh man I know you got in on that action um hopefully by the time you're listening to this it's uh it's our boy uh Austin Walter for the wind running back for the Raiders <laughs> as long as Jake Luton comes out and just slings it all over the field you know for maybe 125 yards we're good yeah, no, we're we're in in prime season, but yes, in, in our Discord channel, there were people talking nonstop about this game between the Raiders and Jaguars, where nobody of fantasy relevance will be even played at all. So, um, make sure you join that. I, I I've had so many people over the last month say, "How can I get more connected?" Uh, if you are a Join the Foot member, uh, Foot Clan member, then you actually get to get in on this. So feel free to message us. Discord link is on the website if you want that, and then also. Before we get into our quick question, before we talk about DFS cash game strategy, I want to give a little shout out to our listeners. If you want to win some free baller swag on me, I'll put my hard-earned money towards it. If you want to go on iTunes, if you want to subscribe, review, if you want to go on Spotify, give us a five-star review. My favorite review, bets is going to get a, a t-shirt, at least a Muth is Luth t-shirt. And if I'm feeling really spunky, I don't know, maybe I'll find a really old ballers t-shirt to send. Yeah, one from like two or three years ago that's kind of retro at this point that we're probably not even making anymore, right? That would be awesome. So yeah, get those t-shirts. Uh, the reviews help us out a lot. Um, and you know, anytime we get Kyle to spend money on us, that's the best part. Speaking of money, you just came out with an article, a way too early look at week one DFS salaries because you are a sicko, bets. You decided to look at this. And, and here's the thing. We love this when they get to release salaries for DraftKings for FanDuel. It's really fun. It kind of like sets the tone for the next month and a half. It's also a chance for everybody and their mama out there to overthink this for a month. So I'm cool if you want to reserve some entries in the Millie Maker, uh, if you want to start thinking about that. You and I, real quick, what? who are the standouts a month ahead of time? We're going to have tons of content. We're going to have shows on this. So this is more of just like a, a little tease for week one DFS. So who are a couple standouts for you? 
Yeah, and real quick, before I even just get to these names that I have on the doc today, can I just say how good of a mood that put me in writing that article? Like, I messaged you right away. I was like, dude, it's happening. Like, DFS is here. The salaries are out. I'm writing little player blurbs, which usually we do for the guys that we like in any week in the DFS pass. So it just felt right at home. That said, it is absolutely ludicrous to analyze this six weeks in advance. But hey, here we are. And why is Kadarius Tony? $4,100 on DraftKings. And for reference, here is where that is in pricing at the wide receiver. Wide receiver, 64. And that is on a slate without teams like the Broncos and Cortland Sutton or the Bills and Stefan Diggs or the Rams and Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. I mean, the list goes on and on. Really, he's kind of priced like the wide receiver, 70 when you look at it. And I, what I did in the article is I looked and I said, you know, where are these guys on underdogs ADP? Because you would say that's pretty sharp you know, drafters at this point in the offseason, the ADP is very efficient. He's a wide receiver 39 in ADP right there. So this price just seems so silly. I feel like it's a guarantee he's a chalk, you know, piece in week one, but the price is just silly. He's cheaper than Darius Slayton, Kyle, his teammate, who may not even make the team, Traquan Smith and Nick Westbrook-Kahini. I mean, it's just, how do you not play him? I feel like six weeks out, how do you not play Kadarius Tony, uh, $4,100? The salaries here are set in a number of different ways, but Things are going to change. So realize you're not going to get prices like this ever again for certain players. I know another player you have on here is Travis Kelsey. Like, when we got to week three last year, he was 8,300. He's only 6,600. So is this one of those opportunities where if you want to buy into someone like Kelsey before you're going to get a massive price increase over the next couple of weeks, like, this is it because we don't really know how the target share is going to be distributed in Kansas City. I think the easy bet would say, oh, well, Kelsey's going to see an increase. Well, he could just stay the same, but at 6600 that's still an elite price for a tight end. I was going to say, there's been weeks where you and I, you know, you log in, you see like 67 or 6800 and you're like, oh, dude, like he's the first piece of my cash lineup this week. So, yes, getting him at 6600 and that was with Tyreek Hill, by the way, um, without Tyreek Hill in week one in a game that the look ahead lines, according to Vegas, is the highest total on the slate. It may be the cheapest we get Travis Kelsey all year. I mean, there's a chance where his role grows so you know it's so elite this year beyond what it has been that he's priced at 8500 every week and we get him here at 66 so i think you know like i said it's early to, to analyze this stuff but i think i want to play at least one lineup this this uh week one just to be sure i get some exposure on the other end of the spectrum of tight end i feel like the he's not quite in the total punt category like you and i usually you get around 3k or so but cole Komet, someone we talked about a lot on this show 3700 i feel like that's going to be the end of the spectrum where do you want to go kelsey or do you just want to go all the way down? So I feel like Komet's going to be a popular cash game player in week one uh, because we can project the target share, you know, I don't know. Would you say 20% of the targets is like a given for him? Is there a reason that you uh, you chose that specific mark? No, Kyle? I just uh, <laughs> just want to throw it out there. Well, I mean, it, But it, let's all... just say if he did get that, what would be the outcome? I, so on the year, when I'm looking at like our projections – I'm looking at Andy, Mike, and Jason's projections. There's very few tight ends that can lay claim to that. 18% is actually a really good top 10 total for tight ends. So 20 plus percent, and you are really setting yourself really well. Now, touchdown equity, I think it's going to be a different thing. That's a really fun game, by the way. That week one is going to be Chicago and San Francisco. So we get Trey Lance, we get Justin Fields, uh, George Kittle in that same game. So that's a really fun one. Um, so Cole Komet, 3,700. And then I have to throw it out there. Our boy Pity City at 5,500. That is that is a crime. I don't have a 55 drop in front of me, but 5,500 for Pity City uh, feels like a cash game early lock, and I get it. I, I think you can go to a different spot, like in a tournament. But is he going to be like an easy like plug and play? I mean, people love to to log in and see the green number, right? We talk about it all the time when you look at uh, the matchups in terms of DraftKings points allowed to the position so when you're looking at wide receivers you're going to see green because he plays houston in week one and they use last year's data we know it's not always sticky year to year but we would still probably think it's a great matchup for michael pittman and yes that price is just silly so i'm a little disappointed you didn't have the pity city drop or the 55 drop but we'll let it slide and we'll play him in week one how about that it's kind of a travesty that we on this podcast did not get to initiate a pity city drop for a couple of reasons i need to let this out of the bag you know, if you go back to last year, we had a lot of conversations with Mike about Michael Pittman. Um, and so Pity City, the nickname actually originated on this show. But then on top of that, the most listened to song of my entire life is We Built This City by far. Of course. Of course. So you marry those two together. 
I just feel every time I hear that drop, I feel so much love in my heart. That's great. Yes. And we need to let the people know. Yeah. Mike's going to claim it as his, but you know, the OG is here on the DFS show. They know. We're, we're, we're the real true, true guys. Uh, if you want more of our content, we just updated our best ball ranks. I just did a, a thing where I had to, on the back end, fix Robbie Anderson's name because he changed his name. I had to fix DJ Chark's name because he dropped the junior. I don't really understand that. Did DJ Chark just say like, I don't really want to be associated with my father anymore? <laughs> He's like, no, nope, I'm good on that. You know, just drop it. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're doing that. Not me, by the way. Yeah, so I had to fix that. But more importantly, the best ball ranks are updated constantly. Uh, so if you want to get that in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, that's available. I've also had some people reach out and say, hey, what if I just want the DFS pass? One, we love you. Uh, we think that it's a smoking good deal to get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus because in season, you'll have to pay a full price for just the DFS pass. So if you get this now, you can actually get everything else you need for your draft, your draft analyzer, the Dynasty Pass, everything else at ultimatedraftkit.com. But today, we're going to talk about cash game strategy. Straight cash, homie. Remember that drop, Bets? I do, and I'm very excited to hear it again on my headphones. Yes, thank you, Randy Moss, for letting us know that it is all about straight cash, homie. Today... We're going to be talking about cash game strategy. Maybe there's some of you out there like, I already know how to do this. Or you're one of those people that said cash game is for losers. Anybody that wants to win big money, uh, they, they don't play those kind of weak games. I think you and I want to dispel some myths and take some of the strategy to the next level this year. For some of you out there, you've been listening to us for a couple of years now, and you've kind of got to roll with us and learning how to have optimal plays how to make sure that you're not trading points or projections just because you have a feeling. You're learning how to play the best plays. And this is kind of up our alley for our show. We're teaching people how to have a good long-term you know, mindset about how to play DFS. Because if you go in like good friend of the show and fellow writer, Jeff Greenwood. Um, <laughs> I, Jeff is a great writer and he said last year, hey, I really want to get into DFS. So I'm going to throw Jeff under the bus because I love him. Uh, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's one of our writers, and he oh, said, I really man. want to get in DFS this year. I've been listening to all his pods. I'm really excited about it. I'm thinking about just spending all my money on GPPs. And we said, if you're just getting in, this is probably not the best strategy. And what did he flame out by like week five? I think it was even earlier, maybe like week three or something like that. But yes, he was done very quickly. Yes. So we would say that cash game strategy, we'll explain what we mean by that. It sets people up in the long run to learn how to play this format of fantasy. Because you, if you're listening, you probably play Redraft. You probably play Dynasty. Maybe you listen to us for best ball. But I'm actually having a bit of a difficult time because my mind has been in best ball mode. It's been in our projections for UDK and projecting for the year. I actually have to change the way I think about DFS because this is a different format. I can like certain players, but in DFS, we're playing in a market. We're playing according to what DraftKings or, or FanDuel says. So for cash game, what we're saying is that we're looking at any contest that pays out at least 33% of the field. So most GPPs, uh, most tournaments are paying probably 20, 25 or less percent of the field. We're talking about head-to-heads, talking about double-up contests, 50-50s and even triple-ups. But really, I would say, would you, would you say 50-50s is like the main thing and then head-to-heads on, uh, behind that? Yeah, I think that's what I normally just refer to as cash games. Like you said, you know, it's the, the double ups and 50-50s, it's half the field gets paid. And so, you know, if you put in, you know, for those double ups, it's exactly what it sounds like. Five bucks, you win 10, for example. Um, head to head, same thing. It's like you're playing against your buddy. You each put five bucks on the line. The winner takes it all sort of thing. So, yes, we're looking for those sort of contests for today's episode to talk about strategy around how you do that and how you build your bankroll with those contests. And there's another number of different ways that you and I talk about maximizing our floor, all right? So you want ceiling outcomes in any lineup, in any format, but you're trying to maximize your floor because you're playing against a field of people that, you know, if you're playing in a 50-50, the person that finishes first is the same person that finishes the very last payout spot, you know, 49th or whatever it is. So we do that by talking about stacking. We talk about correlation within a game. We really care about our running backs, high volume running backs. And then we also look at our points per dollar projections. So every week, there's going to be some glitch. You know, some player gets injured. Some pricing is is just egregious. 
of when it comes out. And we really care about taking advantage of those. We often talk about that as the free square uh, that week. This is the running backer. This is the wide receiver that's going to see volume. So we'll talk more about that. But I think the first question we have to ask people is what are your goals? So maybe let's let's wind the clock back, Bets. Before you started doing this as your full-time job, you know, four, five, six years ago, what were your goals in playing DFS? Like, how did you start? Because it looks a little different now, but how did you first start? I mean, dude, we're logging in. We're trying to get rich, obviously, right? That's what we're doing. And it worked, uh, no. right? <laughs> I'm still here, aren't I? Um, you know, the, the real answer for me was uh, just a new avenue to play fantasy football was a total fiend for it, as most of us are. And, you know, DFS was a way to kind of get exposure to different players. I didn't really know the strategy behind it well enough to make money doing it. And I wasn't playing a high enough volume to really make any meaningful money anyway. So it was kind of a way for me to, again, just get a different version of fantasy in my life. But over the years, have certainly developed into taking actually cash games a lot more seriously. It's how I build my bankroll each fall. And, you know, I know that there's kind of this general sentiment out there about, well, you shouldn't waste your time playing cash games because you put in a lot of effort into making your lineup. And if you're playing 10 bucks, you're only getting 20. But if you play in this huge contest, you could put $10 in and get, you know, a thousand. And yeah, some of that's true. But I think my goal right now for what this is for me, besides my full-time job, in playing my own DFS lineups and in these contests is this helps to stabilize and kind of take some punches when you lose in GPPs, right? Like if I have a good week in cash and I suck in GPPs, I probably still profit a little bit and that kind of helps me get going into the next week. Whereas if I'm just playing GPPs and that might be okay for some other people, it's not my personal philosophy, then I'm taking you know a couple L's in a row and that might be really challenging for a lot of people, just like we talked about with our boy Jeff. So um, you know that's kind of why I play cash right now, basically. I wrote down a couple questions here, and this is, you know, maybe thought provoking for people out there, but I, or maybe you don't ask that question. Maybe you've never sat down and said like, I don't know. I just like playing the game. That's a totally fine answer, but you need to set that expectations because yes, in DFS, you will lose a lot and you need to gather the stones that you need to actually be able to uh, move forward. So, you know, maybe your goal is, I just want to have fun with a little bit of extra spending money. You know, you deposit a certain amount at the beginning of the year. And you want to see where it goes. That's totally fine. Maybe you're a person that says at the end of the year, I want to make a small profit. Or maybe you're someone that says, I just want to brag against my friends and send them screenshots of what's happening at like halftime. Because that's like so much of DFS is, oh my gosh, my lineup's really good. And it's like, dude, we still have a half and a whole, you know, the afternoon slate. Uh, there's so much that has to happen. Maybe you're a person that says, I want to post a screenshot on Twitter and put it as my banner. You know, that's okay. Do it. I mean, Do it. We, we try to encourage people that if you won, like we want to celebrate with you, uh, but also realize that there's lots of other people out there. Um, we've had some people that have messaged us and said, hey, I listened to the show. I was a subscriber to the DFS pass. And then, you know, on Monday we get a screenshot and said, hey, I won $75,000. We're like, oh, <laughs> that's really cool. Did that... I guess that paid for your DFS times whatever. So for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, those are really great. Those are awesome stories. I remember my one of my favorite ones last year, and we'll we'll pull some more of these stories, not just to hype things up, but like someone said, Hey, I started learning from your podcast. Um, and I started playing cash games like you told me, and I just slowly started playing more GPPs. And this person on a five dollar single entry won the tournament, and they said it helped them pay off school debt. And it helped them like put a, actually a down payment towards a house. So like those are the stories that I love hearing. Like people that actually is like, hey, this is extra money. I'm playing the right way. And you got super fortunate. So that that's kind of really, I would say, how it works is it's the people that win a millimaker, they're probably not winning another. I mean, there's a couple people out there that have won multiple millimakers, but it's 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 really hard. Um but maybe you just want to be a profitable long-term player. That's what I think you and I are really good at is teaching people how to make this like a long-term thing. And eventually, if you want to make this a second income, it's totally possible. If you want to be a Pokemon master, do it. Uh, but there's a long journey ahead. I want to add one more thing about the, um, the tournament winning that you just mentioned. I think if you get really good at cash games, you have a great handle on what the, the quote-unquote cash lineup is for that week. And if you're playing GPPs, you probably know, I mean, we have roster percentages in the DFS pass to help you with this, but you probably know like, hey, this is listed as a 20% guy this week. He's going to be really popular. 
I'm going to play a small field GPP. I bet he's going to be even more popular because he's the cash game running back this week. So you can actually learn a lot by playing cash to help you in GPPs. I've been able to, to find that uh, as a successful strategy as well. So one more reason I think that um, you could consider at least playing some cash. So with cash contests, what we're doing is we're narrowing a couple of different things. We're narrowing the competition. We're narrowing the variables. Like, okay, what are all the different variables that I need? To, and then narrowing your ceiling a little bit because you're not getting as big of a payout. So let's talk about that. You're narrowing the competition to either one opponent for a head-to-head or a small base where you're just trying to be better than the top, you know, 49%, whatever. Like, why do you think people aren't attracted to that? Because, I mean, if you're head-to-head, woohoo, you won against one person. Or, you know, if you're against 100 people or, you know, whatever, why, why is that not as attractive to people sometimes? I mean, it definitely doesn't feel as good. Like, if you're entering 10 bucks to win 18, like, that doesn't look as cool as someone who enters 20 bucks and takes home 5K. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not the same. Uh, but the chances of you hitting on that head-to-head or that 50-50 obviously are much, much higher. And so you're kind of trading off maybe a one or two awesome week season for some consistent winnings. But it doesn't feel as good when you log in and you see that green number on DraftKings or on FanDuel, and it's not as high as it would be in GPPs. That's just the reality of cash games. And when you're narrowing the field and you're narrowing the variables, you're trying to build the best lineup in every single format. Like, don't get me wrong. You're not going into cash and saying, like, I want to build a suboptimal lineup. Um, but there's more room for error. And that's what I think, not just for beginner players, but even players like us that, you know, on Monday, I write a cash review article that shows people, here's what I did. And here's my mistakes. Like I I try to be accountable. Uh, I want to actually narrow my room for error. And there's an opportunity for me to work on my process where in GPP, I feel like people are just throwing, you know, things at the wall and just hoping it sticks. And some weeks you'll say, oh, I had a great process here. And then other weeks you'd be like, I had a terrible process. I barely put in any lineups and I did hit. Like that's the craziest part about, you know, tournaments is it's, it's kind of wild. So I would say you could start with the smaller contests and that's totally okay in both formats, but in cash, that's how you get to build your bankroll. So uh, any other advice for people just starting out of like, why starting small is okay? Well, I mean, just mean, you know, we gave a specific example to one of our friends who made a mistake in terms of his <laughs> bankroll management. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing him down. I, I love it. Uh, Jeff will fire back for sure. But, uh, you know, that happens all the time to people. And we don't want that to be you, the listener. You know, we want to kind of teach teach folks how to manage their bankroll so that each week, if there is a losing week, you know, you know, okay, they, they told me this was going to happen. I had planned for this in my bankroll. And I'm going to come back the next week and I'm going to play just uh, smart and optimally and get that money back and keep building that bankroll the right way. So there's definitely value. And I think starting small, if you're new to it, if you've got experience, obviously, you know, test the boundaries of what you're comfortable with financially or experience wise. But, um, you know, don't be afraid to to do it that way. We think it's the right way to start, you know, rather than just logging in randomly and clicking on the highest paying contest. It's easy to burn through your money that way. All right, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, we're back, and I want to talk about contest selection. This is probably, I would say, the the barrier for most players who are casual, like Jeff, like we mentioned. I feel like that's just an easy way just to throw somebody under the bus and just casually mention, hey, there's players out there that aren't good, like Jeff. 
and we'll just use that all year long. Um, yeah, make sure you reach out to them on Twitter and let them know. The the contest selection, I feel like, is the barrier for people that want to keep playing DFS, okay? We actually see it all the time that when you look at the interest for DFS and people that read articles and people that listen to podcasts and stuff like that, there's a crew that's really excited in August because nothing's happened yet, all right? There's another group that jumps in week one. You could actually see it skyrocket in like our views and everything else that first Thursday night game, right? So Bills and Rams, there's going to be so much interest that first week. And then what happens is it slowly but surely, and that's just, we know that as an industry, that people that are casual slowly but they just leave because they maybe spent all their money. And do you think that the main reason is they just picked the wrong t- contest? Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a tricky conversation because this contest selection you know, component of DFS, I think is one of the most underrated aspects of being a good DFS player. And it's really hard to log in and see, I mean, what would you say off the top of your head, like a hundred different contests you could enter, probably more, honestly, across the two um, two platforms, primarily FanDuel and DraftKings. So, you know, it's one of those things that you have to be honest with yourself in terms of like we talked about at the top of the show, what are your goals? Because that's going to help you dictate where you go with your contest selection. And then again, as we talked about, bankroll management helps you kind of I think further dive into which contests are good for you. And I do want to put out in in the DFS pass for August, Kyle, something as a resource for people of kind of where I would go if I was starting as these are the contests I would play. And here's why. So look for that, you know, in more detail coming soon. But yes, content selection, I think is is crucial to being a good DFS player. Yeah. On top of just the rake that the sites take from certain contests, it's easy to get lost and to say, ooh, here's all these different price points. They do a great job. All right. And, you know, we love DraftKings. They've been a sponsor. They do a great job of finding different price points. You're like, ooh, I could try the $3 one. Ooh, but if I did the $10 single entry and, and what happens ooh, what is... what about the 20 Ooh, what about the 50 Why not? Oh, there's a quarter one? I'll, I'll just oh. put in 20000 And now I'm out of money. <laughs> it, it really happens because you can start getting really weird. Like, like we mentioned, we mentioned triple ups. We mentioned all these other different formats that sound like... If I just hit one of those, then then I'm good to go. So we're going to put out lots of stuff about contests that we play in, contests that we think are actually good, that are, you know, have larger prize pools. We'll talk about that next week uh, in GPPs. But I would say the easiest thing that we tell people is play in the 50-50s for cash, play in the double-ups. But then this is the thing that I think, it took me a while. It took me years to realize I could do this, is you have to create your own contest for head-to-head. Explain to people how to do that. Yes. So there's a feature um, on, specifically on DraftKings that I do this where you can go in and if you want to play head to heads, you can create a contest and you can decide how many users get to play against you. So you could let's let's say, for example, you're going to put 10 head to heads up in the lobby. You can limit it to just one person so that someone that's super, super you know, good player doesn't come in and take all your head to heads and just kind of bully you around like I do to Kyle and I take his lunch money. Um, you can limit it. You can also when you go in to do that, you can limit uh, you know, the experience level of who you're playing against so that you're matched up against people that are on the same level as you. You know, it's so intimidating to log in if you're new and being like, oh man, I hope someone really, you know, I hope Kyle doesn't come get this contest because I know how good he is at DFS. Um, you can limit it to people that are the same uh, experience as you, which I think is, is is crucial. My personal kind of flow of how I do this is I don't post these early in the week. The reason for that is because we want to be targeting and we're going to be mean for a minute. We want to be playing against casual people who don't know what they're doing. That's what the listeners, you know, you're smart because you're listening to the show. You're in the DFS pass. You're obviously experienced. We want to be taking people that are coming in Sunday morning. Maybe they are just getting out of church, not paying attention to the news. Maybe they went out drinking the night before. Maybe they slept in, whatever. We want to play against them who don't have, a, you know, their pulse on fantasy football all the time. So what I do is I post my contest Sunday morning, nine or 10 o'clock ish. And what I'll do is, you know, I'll wait because DraftKings will automatically pair you with someone else who posted a head to head if your contests don't fill. So I'll go back in and I think they do that at 1245 Eastern, I think um, is the time. But what I go in is I go back in at like 1230. And if I don't have any that are that are taken, I just cancel them. And then I only know I'm playing against people that picked my contest. And there's a good chance that those are some casual players because they log in, they see, oh, here's a head to head. I'll take that one. Uh, but if you post your own head to head contest, you can kind of weed out who you're playing against. And it's a huge way to create an edge. Yeah. I'm going to have to rework my process being on the West coast this year. Oh, different uh, time. I know it football starting at 10 o'clock. 
I I will I do not understand that's, how that works. That's great though. I'm kind of jealous. So I are you excited about that or no? It feels like I have less time to prepare. I know it's yeah. not really how it works, but it feels like I have less time. Uh, yeah, I, I I'll just echo what he was saying. Like I usually will post mine Friday or Saturday, and then again if I want to do some more on Sunday, just depending on what your flow is. But it, it's so much. It's so helpful that you're not just going in there. And yeah, you are picking off people, unfortunately, that we want to bully, all right? We don't like bullies, but we don't mind bullying. That's our motto. This is the time to do it. If, if you ever wanted to be a bully in your life, now is the time. So let me give you a couple other contests that you and I talk about a lot. In week one, you'll find the $50 double ups, the $25 giant double ups. So there's different sizes that you can find for these that are like the 10, 25, 50. There's the giant, there's the massive there's these different sizes, but if you find a contest that's a single entry, let's just say it's the $25 double up, you're going to get around 3,500 entrants. And you can get in that now. I would say if you want to reserve one, you can go in right now and, and just tell yourself, I'm going to make sure that this is my cash game. And then I enter the same lineup. So people are different. Some people want to have a bunch of different cash game lineups. You and I tend to just say, this is my one lineup I'm using for all head to heads, double ups and whatnot. Uh, to me, it just simplifies the process. And I also get to look back and say, that was my lineup. That's what I get to write my article on. Uh, but any other advice for people about just creating the one lineup for cash? I think, you know, it's, it's sort of like you hedge your bets, right? If you're playing multiple lineups because you're like, oh, I'm scared to pick this wide receiver or that wide receiver. I think if you have the same process week after week after week in cash games and you're playing one lineup, you enter it in all of your contests, your head to heads, your 50 50s. You know, don't enter it in your GPPs necessarily, um, but when we're talking about the cash lineups. Enter it in those contests, and it will help you weekly sort of keep one path of of being able to understand how good you're doing. Uh, how are you playing? Are you playing well? Are you playing poor? Are you making mistakes? Because if you're just entering a bunch of random lineups into these contests, like truthfully, you probably won't know if your process is is good and correct because you might just catch the right side of variance one week, get unlucky the next, and kind of back and forth. So for us, uh, one lineup across all cash games. So the last little point we'll make before we play a game, of course, bets. Oh, no. I know. It's back. I'm excited about it. I found my cash game lineup from week one last year, okay? And I put a screenshot here for you, and I'll post this for people to see. But I want What you a lineup. To, I want you to guess how well I did, okay? just let, let's. I'm going to walk through this for the listeners. And you also have in here something that we're going to talk about a ton next week, which is about roster percentages. In cash games, you and I don't care too much uh, unless somebody is approaching like a 40-50%. Like, okay, that's really heavy chalk for a running back. Um, but you and I go back and forth. We talk about our cash game plays. We usually have probably at least three or four players that you and I are in agreement on as like our core plays. But then, yeah, like there's weeks where I just want to stick it at best and say, I disagree with this take about Kareem Hunt. <laughs> Yeah, there's been weeks where that's happened. That there's, I'm picking out just like one really prime example, but like there's probably a ton where I was not thinking about it, Adrian Peterson or whatever. Um, but I'm going to walk through this lineup, and based on this, I want you to tell me how you think I did in terms of like head-to-head. So I always post my head-to-head rate, like I won you know, 50% or whatever it is percent of my games. And then also looking at this lineup, uh, what are your biggest takeaways? So here's what I did. I had Jalen Hurts. 23% of the people rostered him. And these are all massive $25 double ups. So this is a really big contest for cash. Jalen Hurts, 23%. Dalvin Cook was 24%. Raheem Mostert. Do you remember he played last year, Bets? Briefly, yes. That week one game, he was about to go absolutely nuclear and then got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in my lineup. Uh, 26%. <laughs> so he was rostered by a lot of people. Uh, DJ Moore. 4%, Devonta Smith, 10%, Rondale Moore, 6 Kyle Pitts was 42%. So he was like one of the most popular players. He was only $4,400. So that was like a big misprice that we would say. Alvin Kamara at nearly 30%. And the Houston Texans at 3%. So it looks like I punted uh, defense. Any big takeaways from just how I assembled my roster? Anything you can guess? I'm withholding some information from you. As far as why you played the plays you did or how you did in your outcome? Let's, you know, either or. Just, you know, what, okay. what's your feel? Well, I remember the Trey Sermon stuff from week one. Everyone was 
we're all excited about Trey Sermon. They were like, oh, healthy scratch. And everyone said, oh, crap, let's play Raheem Mostert Sunday morning, which is why it was 26% in these uh, these fields. I also remember you talking about Jalen Hurts and wanting to stack him with Devonta Smith because we thought that was too cheap. That obviously turned out to be pretty good against your Falcons. And then I do remember very, very vividly the Kyle Pitts stuff. It was kind of like what we talked about with Michael Pittman and Kadarius Tony at the top of the show. When these prices came out, you know, in early August, everyone was like, you know, Kyle Pitts is a fourth round pick in in redraft or in, in best ball. Like, that's so cheap. We're going to play him. And, and everyone did. So that's kind of what I remember about that week. As far as your results, I think you had a pretty good week, if I remember correctly, um, because I had a horrific week one. And I remember, I think I used the term uh, curb stomps in week one. Actually, the first two weeks were rough for me last year. Um, but hey, I came back. had good bankroll well, management. You were on fire uh, at the end. But yeah, the, the beginning of the year, I think you had a really good start and I was pretty, uh, pretty rough. My week two was my worst week of the year. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that was, that was my worst. So what's funny is when I look at this lineup, if you ever log into DraftKings and you get to see your lineup and you see the flames, you see, you know, the snowflake, you're like, it's like terrifying when not many people are on fire. So I only actually have two and on fire just basically means based on their salary and based on their output, like here's how they four X or here's how they three X on their salary. I only have two. I only have Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith, okay? So Jalen Hurts went for 28.76, and Devonta Smith went for 19.1. So my lineup overall, you wouldn't say that I killed it, right? It wasn't incredible. It was. It wouldn't win a GPP, I'll say that. And I brought this lineup for a reason. One, I was like, what did I do last year for week one? But my point was that this lineup scored 129 points. What would you say on an average week? How was that? For cash? For cash. That's totally fine. For cash, that'll probably win, I don't know, 60%, 55%, okay. something like that. I was shocked because I went back and I looked at my percentages. I use Rotor Tracker. I get to use a lot of other stuff for you know putting in uh, my money. You can actually go back and look at your rates, and then I write my cash game article. Um, tw- 129, like I scored way more, way more points on so many different weeks. This lineup in head-to-heads did 90% that week. I remember it. I remember how happy you were. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to <laughs> clap for myself. I'm more trying to give this for the listeners to say that you don't need a perfect outcome in cash. You have a couple of plays that you and I just talked through. I even bombed right. Raheem Mostert had two points, and yet this lineup did pretty well based on just a couple of things that we talk about. So you and I give our cash game kind of core picks. We write cash game articles. I, I feel like cash is one of those things that the people get to talk through it throughout the week. You and I start on what? Wednesday? Start assembling a cash game lineup. We go back and forth. We talk about on the show. I think it's one of the most fun community things you could do too. You find one or two people, you use our Discord channel, and you say, here's my cash game pool of players. You know, like I, I don't think you and I were like, I have to play uh, Rondale Moore or DJ Moore. Like I don't think that was like I had to play. We would call them good plays, and that's just where I landed. So uh, any last thoughts on just the cash game process? Because I think... I think you're really good at that, and that's something that you enjoy doing throughout the week. Oh, the back and forth? It's awesome. Yeah, find a buddy, find a couple, get in Discord. Um, it, it is really helpful, truthfully, because like, there's been some times on you know, Saturday evening or Sunday morning, I'll like text Kyle and be like, hey, man, here's where I'm at. And you'll say, are you really sure you want to go with player X against this matchup? Like, Have you considered... Uh, the left tackles out or or whatever something like that right um so it can help you see the help you see your own blind spots when sometimes you're not willing to do that and that's helped me a lot in the past and i think it could really help listeners if you have that person to bounce some ideas off of man you know what we should, i i feel like i should go back i mean we have a lot of texts and messages to each other over last year we i mean we text almost every day but like i, I would, mean hey i mean that's what we got to do I'm wondering if like went back through our thread and just look and see like our conversation like, oh, dude, you have to play, you know, <laughs> Deontay Johnson or whatever it is. Like those are the kind of like like back and forth or like, are you, what are you thinking? Like there's no way I'm going to do this. And then one of us would probably come around like I think I'm coming around to this player. Uh, I just love I love the whole week process. And I wrote this down. This is a really deep point that I wanted to make sure I, I shared with our listeners. I wrote down cash is cool. Let's start a movement. <laughs> i have no comment (laughs) what i meant to say is no comment (laughs) let's take back cash games as a cool thing for dfs because uh, maybe some of you aren't on twitter or you're not really deep in the streets of certain people in the industry but some people just say this is dumb and once again going back to our goals we don't want to be demeaning towards anyone their economic situation the way they play you know for some people 
You work a job that doesn't afford you to be able to make lineups all day. Instead, you get to listen to bozos like us uh, give our thoughts, informed bozos. Is that a good way to say it? Of course. Yes, that's more respectful. So I just want to make sure that this year our listeners feel confident in cash and they're able to move forward. But what I really want to do is make you poop your pants. I want to play a game. We're back, baby. We're back. Heart rate is up. Sweating already. I hate this. I This is one of my, my joys of doing this podcast. Those of you that are joining us over the summer, you've never really been a part of Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. We love you. We're glad you're with us. Um, I like to spring these games onto bets. I did warn you, warn you this time, right, that we're playing a game. You did. I think you told me uh, like Tuesday or Wednesday this week, so I was, I was ready that there was going to be one. But the drop still just, it just gets me. It is still one of my favorite things we do on Fantasy Footballers. I will secretly message with one of the three of them. We'll have some type of uh, stat-based game or something else, and the other two won't know, and they just spring it on them. So I like secretly plotting uh, these games, these fantasy games. So this is week one trivia from 2021. So I mentioned, um, you know, I mentioned a couple of the, you know, players earlier, like, hey, this person was popular uh, what not. So what we're going to do is talk about who some of the most popular players were. And then at the very end, I want to just talk quickly. This will lead into our conversation for next week about GPPs, about duplicates and what people are doing and maybe what you don't realize you're doing when you're building a lineup, especially if you're just looking at uh, what other people are saying. So I took this info from Fantasy Labs, shout out Fantasy Labs, in their $3 uh, entry in the 500k play action. So there's almost 200,000 entries. Would you say that's a pretty good data set? Uh, I would love to see about 250, but I'll take 200. Yeah, it's a good data set. You're you're a, a hard man to bargain with. Um, so what I want to talk about is at each position, running back, wide receiver, tight end, who were some of the most popular plays and anything you could decipher about this and then I want you to try to guess if any of them were the highest scoring player at that position. Okay? Okay. I follow. All right. So, at running back, the most popular player scored 28 DraftKings points. But the most popular based on roster percentage was Raheem Mostert, number one. Oh, boy. Raheem. 23.8. You already know how much he scored, right? Not very many. Two points. Two points. But 20, most pop- 20 rushing yards. <laughs> the most popular player in a tournament. Uh, Alvin Kamara at 21.8. CMC at 21.7. James Robinson at 21.4. Or I'll give you one more option. Other, the rest of the field. So when you say most popular, you mean highest rostered. Highest rostered. So highest rostered, but who sco- I'm asking who scored the most. I'm giving you oh, the like most Who was the RB1 on the slate? Yep. Okay, now I follow. See, I see. I'm, I'm shook, dude. I can't even think. Um, okay, who was the RB one in week one of 2021? Come on, man, you should <laughs> know. A long time ago. Um, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a great choice. He was up there, but it was Joe Mixon at only sixty two hundred dollars, and he was rostered at only fourteen percent. So I I listed off probably four or five of the top rostered running backs, and none of them were at the top. So what? What is this information? I know this is just one data point to talk about, but for GPPs, what I mean, what can you tell people about running backs and where they're priced in popularity? Yeah, I mean, this is a great this point exactly speaks to why some people advocate for playing GPPs, and we do too. We we're talking cash today, but you should play GPPs because look, the chalk fails, and when that happens, you are going to benefit immensely, especially at running back. We tend to see a lot of the roster percentage condense around three to five plays each week. Kyle just mentioned, you know, four that were over 20% in Raheem Mostert, Kamara, CMC, and James Robinson. And none of those four, despite being popular, won you a GPP or were differentiators in your lineup that week like Joe Mixon was. All right, I'm going to switch this one up. I'm going to tell you who the number one wide receiver was, and I want you to tell me who the most popular player was, okay? All right. So the number one wide receiver in week one last last year was Tyreek Hill, all right? He was at 8,200. Wide receiver two. He had 40 points. I don't know if you remember week one. Just went bananas. Who'd they play? But he was only 11. Per- I don't remember. Huh. I'll look it up. You keep I, talking. I, I don't remember that game right now. Uh, but only 11%. Debo 
and Adam Thielen were wide receivers two and three, and they were only rostered at four percent. Do you remember that week? I mean, that was that was the week with our big dog team. We had Debo and Thielen, and we were like number one scorer in the entire tournament. I recall, yes, and um, and the Chiefs played last year in week one, uh, the Browns. Oh, nice. Who is the most popular wide receiver though in week one? By far, consensus across the board. Do you remember who it was? Was this was this the Marquez Callaway week? It it was by far Marquez Callaway, somebody that will not even be a starter for his own team this year, was rostered at almost twenty two percent. Like, what does that tell you from when the prices are released? from camp hype to when we start how the field thinks i mean we are victims of this too like we 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 see it and you think you have to do it right and you remember that long touchdown i think it was a monday night football game in the preseason Jameis winston to marquez callaway and i think i even remember writing in slack like is this guy even good like is this real and everyone was like i think he's got a roll this year like we fell into it and then he was like what three thousand or thirty five hundred or something ridiculous in week one so he had a role, you know, Michael Thomas was out um, and it was just lined up perfectly. And people love to kind of find value where they feel comfortable with it. And at wide receiver, if there is chalk and they are cheap and they are not any a proven player, oftentimes a GPP, that is an easy fade. And I think I remember saying on the show last year, I can't imagine playing Marcos Callaway in a GPP this week. What if I told you that Romeo Dobbs is only $3,000? Oh, I'm back, baby. Let's go. I'm telling you, that that's the kind of player, the same hype that he's getting right now, that he's going to be somebody that people look at. They play uh, the Vikings week one. That he's going to be super popular based on that price and based on the camp. I mean, we, we still have a couple more weeks to go. But let's say in preseason, Romeo Dobbs catches a touchdown. like Because he will. He's going to end up being 15 20% in tournaments. Yeah, probably. And people like the Vikings, right? We've talked about it for three months. So it's going to be, a, I think, a, a fun stack for week one. Yeah, we'll get into some more names next week, but like there's some really fun names that I think are fringe starters in redraft. Like Joshua Palmer is a great example. Like we think he's gonna be the starter, you know, based on what everything they've said. They're gonna do three wide receiver sets. He's only thirty eight hundred against the Raiders. Like, I totally understand if people find those types of guys and fall in love with them and just completely go for it. I mean, there's there's other names that are kind of fun down there. Um, Paris Campbell. I mean there's so many dudes when you start scrolling through that you can start to galaxy brain it. But uh, just keep that in mind as you start to go a little bit further. But it was Marcos Callaway last year. And then some of the other names I need to throw out there. I forget what week one was like. You ready? It was Marcos Callaway, the next most popular wide receiver, Marvin Jones. Thanks to you, probably. Calvin Ridley. Remember when he played football? What a time. Uh, and then Devontae Adams, who actually did have a pretty good week. Uh, Michael Pittman and T Higgins. Those were the most popular last year. So keep in mind the players that are gaining, gaining steam, you will have a lot of casual people that think that just carries over from redraft into DFS. Uh, that's how it goes. Let's do one more. Uh, the most popular tight ends. I'm going to reverse again. So the most popular tight ends in week one were Kyle Pitts. We already talked about him, right? Uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Okay. But that was not the tight end one last year. There was somebody else who had $4,900, scored 25.7 DraftKings points bets at 3% roster percentage. Who was that person? So the two names that stick out to me in this price range, because it felt like DraftKings never moved them last year, was Dallas Goddard and TJ Hawkinson. They're like, the they, same player, I, right? Basically, yes. And they're always like 46 to 4,900. Like they're never more than ever less. So if I remember correctly... Jalen Hurts had a good game. wasn't incredible. I'm going to go TJ Hawkinson. It was TJ Hawkinson. Let's go. And I believe that first week was was Niners and Lions. And it was it, it was, was. The, it was a game where like the Lions had like this crazy backdoor like second half. Like I don't know. Remember if they covered it was like 41 33. But uh, you had a lot of garbage time points for TJ Hawkinson. And then there was debate because he started pretty hot. Uh, if he was going to be an elite tight end. But yes, it was TJ Hawkinson for uh, 3%. So in a tournament, Kyle Pitts would have been an easy fade because of, you know, there was also the unknown of like, what is he? What type of target share is he going to see? Um, but it's interesting to see Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley uh, both up there in roster percentage, knowing Jalen Hurts is popular, uh, knowing everyone else. So just we're looking back and we're seeing some of these and the way that it goes. 
I did find this piece of information interesting. I found how many lineups were duplicated, all right, in that tournament. And when we say duplicated, I mean same exact lineup, which is really hard to do. Like, it's pretty hard to have the same quarterback and whole combination. There were 448 lineups that were the exact same that had Kyler Murray, James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and then a bunch of other chalk, Marquez Callaway, Marvin Jones. Like, my my point that I want to give people is when you're building lineups, we're caring about getting unique, and you need to be able to move off the chalk. Those lineups were dead right off the start. Like, you weren't be able to get any leverage at all. And suboptimal, we would say, right? Kyler Murray not even playing another Cardinal with him, not even stacking. So, yeah, I think you're looking more at GPPs in this case, obviously. But, um, yeah, that's just – it almost makes you cringe when you are when you see it and you're like, why would anyone ever do that? And then you realize almost 500 people did the exact same thing. Yeah, and I could go down the list. I found a lot more duplicates. Uh, and the last thing I found was I looked back at our doc last year when we started talking about week one and everything, and the same exact mistake was repeated this past year. And I think will be repeated again. And it, the question is what position is winning people to flex in DraftKings, a full PPR site? What position is it bets? Dude, we know it's that type. No, I'm just kidding. It is the wide receivers because it is full PPR scoring. They get the hundred yard bonus for the receptions. And then of course we know that it, it's, it's best ball one-on-one wide receivers have these huge spike weeks. We want to win the flex with wide receivers. And you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong. This is from fantasy labs, right? Kyle, Yes. And looking at kind of what all lineups did versus the top 10% versus top 1%, I mean, people are not playing wide receivers enough in their flex. And so you could even probably just blindly each week being like, I'm going to set a rule where my wide receivers are flex, and you probably create a little edge compared to our opponents. So it's definitely the way to go. Yeah. In that tournament last year, all like if you took all the lineups on average, they played a wide receiver in their flex about 55% of the time. I wish I had the drop. But the top... The top 1% had nearly 70%. So I know that sounds like it's such a small edge, but there are so many lineups that are playing, you know, running backs in the flex, which didn't work out in week one. This is just week one data uh, in tight ends, but it, the same thing happened the year before. So we would say you are creating a much better advantage of playing wide receivers in the flex in terms of ceiling outcome. And there's just a ton. There's so many wide receivers to be able to look at. So uh, we will give you more and more data like this. I'm excited next week. Maybe we'll play a little game again for the people uh, if they want it. But bets. Dang it. Why don't you sign us off? Oh, I would love to. Uh, it feels good to get back into DFS mindset. And, you know, that just means the week one slate is quickly approaching. So get in the DFS pass. Subscribe. Don't forget about the review. Kyle's going to send you a t-shirt if we pick one. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.